Welcome to Screw the Hustle Summit. I'm your host, Larissa Banting, and today we have the amazing Mark Stern joining us. He is the king of virtual summits. And in fact, he even has a complete, basically a virtual summit in a box almost that he's uh, working on right now. He's gonna tell us a little bit about that in just a second. But for those of you who are wondering, how do you make the jump from the, the corporate world to you know, being an entrepreneur, Mark has done it. He's gone from having the dream job to now having the dream life of being his own boss. Mark, welcome so much. We're thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. Larissa, thank you for putting this together. I'm, I'm really excited to be part of the summit, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, but before we get into what you're doing now, why don't we back it up a step and just let us, let the viewers know, how did you get to here? Because your story is, you know, basically you were like focused for the corporate dream job and you took a very, very sharp turn. Yeah, no, I'm happy to share with you. So um, I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. And um, for me and those around me, life was all about like, there's this path to happiness. And I like, I felt like I followed that path to the T and was probably like the poster child of the path. Uh, but I went to high school, graduated, went to college. After college, had the dream job, went back and got my MBA. And then, you know, it was supposed to be you get the MBA, then you get the dream job, and then it's the white picket fence and the happy family. And, you know, you live happily ever after. But in 2012, when I got my MBA, I got my MBA at Duke, um, I found myself with $165,000 in student loans. And on top of that, um, you know, when you have the weight of all of those student loans, it feels like you carry this like massive black cloud around with you. And for me, um, on top of that, I had signed a two-year commitment. This is very typical for people post-MBA um, with a consulting firm. And when you sign a commitment with a consulting firm, usually by contract, everything you produce is owned by the consulting firm all the way down to if I were to start a business, if I were to... Um, be asked to join a board of directors or speak on stage, I would have to get it approved because everything I produced was owned by the firm, even in my personal life. Um, so when you have that inner entrepreneur deep inside of you, um, you know, you feel like you're very constrained. And that's what it was, was I was in this position that I actually really liked my corporate job, but it didn't allow me to explore this itch of wanting to be an entrepreneur. But it, it was one of those things that you, I mean, many of you might, might be able to relate to this. Like if you're in a situation that you're like, you feel the constraints of corporate, but you also um, struggle to figure the benefits of having like healthcare, um, a salary that comes every single, uh, every other week and little things like that. For me, it was very much a mental game and it was a really hard place to be in. Um, and it literally took me about six years in that realm to finally make the leap. And so, what, yeah. what was that, that tipping point for you where you're like, okay, you know, enough is enough. I'm making this giant leap and I might not have a safety net below me, but I got to do it. You know, it's interesting you ask that. Um, there's two factors I would say that were like kind of my tipping point. Um, one was I was on the verge of junior partner. And when you become a junior partner at the firm, um, it's like a three to five year commitment at that level. And it's not about being a junior partner. It's about preparing yourself for partnership. So it's the hardest role in the firm. And it's, a, it's one of those journeys that you don't want to start unless you know 100% you're in it for partnership. And then on top of that, when you become a partner, um, you have to buy into the partnership. So you have to take out a huge loan to buy into the partnership and to realize the benefits of that. 
um, it takes about a, a 10 year um, vesting period for you to really reap the benefits. So right there, it was just at the crux of my career to say, that's the next 15 years of my life. Um, and it was, I wasn't against it, but I, I couldn't say, you know, that I was 100% for it either. So that was like the first indication for me personally, um, that it was time to make a change and scratch the itch. And the benefit is I could always go back to that. But I'm, you know, the hope is the entrepreneurial game works out in a realm that, you know, uh, for me allows that to be like the next chapter of my life. So it was like that crossroads of, am I ready to commit the next 15 years of my life? Or do I want to scratch this itch that has been burning inside? And then I would say, honestly, the second thing is, uh, this is going to sound a little crazy, but um, sometimes you just got to like look at the signals that are around you. And I felt like I was getting a lot of messaging for me personally that like was just saying, you need to move on. There's something bigger. There's a bigger opportunity in terms of how you can serve others um, that is greater than where you are right now. And I think just listening to those voices, it was such a hard thing to do. I actually put my notice in. It was January 2018. It took me six months. Uh, or five months. It took me till May to officially leave the firm. So it was like a process, but no regrets. No. Yeah. Yes. And do you feel like, because I mean, it sounds like when you were working corporate, there was probably like a lot of really long hours. Is that right? Like when you say, <laughs> I don't know what nine to five is or in that realm, like nine to five to me was like a pipe dream. I would have loved a nine to five. Um, the traditional lifestyle that I was living, um, was every uh, Monday at 4.45 a.m. a cab picked me up to take me to the airport. Um, and then you basically live out of airports and hotels every week. And I did that for six years. So um, quality of life wasn't there, but the opportunity at work was incredible. So for me, you know, I've met some of my personal heroes with living that lifestyle because, you, I mean, you truly, you know, your clientele is, is really all U.S.-based or global. Um, but it, when I say every Monday at 4:45, I was in a cab to the airport. I literally was every single Monday. It was a lifestyle choice. And how has your your life changed since leaving last May? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I did was I got a dog. Um, <laughs> getting a dog was uh, the like was something that was on my bucket list for years. So the second I knew I was getting off the road, um, part of getting a puppy dog for me was a commitment to myself and a commitment to building foundation. So having the foundation has been really incredible. I think the other thing about it that we always forget as entrepreneurs is when you are in like the traditional like corporate system, um, oftentimes you come out of college with dreams of what you wanna be when you grow up. Um, and then you apply for the jobs and you apply for, for the job that has a specific job description of what you do that may or may not be the thing that you wanna do. And so people oftentimes in the corporate realm get trapped in taking on jobs and responsibilities that were the postings that were available at the time, not necessarily the dreams that you had before. And to answer your question, it was such a brilliant reminder when I quit my job and became an entrepreneur that I truly, like it, I was, when the summits that I've hosted, if I applied for a job to be a host, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. But when I create my own platform and choose to be the host, no one can tell me no. And that's to me one of the most powerful things about being an entrepreneur. You're making like, your own reality. Make your own reality. I mean, it, it's it's simple and it's profound at the same time. So, Mark, that's an incredible journey, and it seems like you you just seem like you're like you're really enjoying what you're doing now, 
and I mean, I, I didn't know you before in the other job, in your past job, but um, how did you get into doing summits? Like, talk to us about that journey, because it's not something most entrepreneurs are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start doing summits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this is a side note, before like making the leap out of corporate, and this is a good signal for a lot of you out there who uh, are deep into corporate, I was going to a lot of digital marketing and entrepreneur conferences, events, meetups. Um, I was buying e-learnings, uh, taking all these courses. I was even buying into some high ticket coaching programs. And it wasn't until I realized that like, this is like a panacea to my inner desire to want to be an entrepreneur that I finally like stopped just buying courses for the sake of buying courses and taking bigger action and starting that transition out. Um, but through that journey, one of the coaching programs I was involved in, there was someone I met um, uh, who has become like such a great dear friend and mentor of mine. And she did a virtual summit and took her email list from like zero to 10,000 in about two weeks. And that's where this was, I, the conversation that we had had to be at the beginning of 2018 It may have been, Oh no, beginning of 2017. Jeez. Um, and I, from that moment on, I was just like, what are these summits? It seemed like a natural thing for me. You know, I started consuming as much information as possible on how, people have hosted summits in the past. And I knew that the first thing that I wanted to do when I left corporate, since I literally could not do anything in my old job was get loud by doing a virtual summit. And that is the first thing that I planned. Um, the second I exited that job. Now you, you've put together a really very uh, in-depth presentation about how people can take their own journey to become, uh, you know, hosting summits because I think as we were saying earlier webinars are kind of they've, they've I think they've sort of run their course to a to a point and um summits where you know we're actually connecting all these different people it's a great way to to get a lot more information a lot more value in a same amount of time and also grow your list when you when you're involved in yeah. the summit yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do me to transition. I'm happy to pop open the sure. deck right now. I'd love, I am sure the audience would love to because uh, it, it looks fascinating. Awesome. Let me see. Um, Larissa, can you see my screen? Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. Boom. All right. So full screen. Yep. Got awesome. It. Awesome. So um, probably for the next 20 minutes, I just wanted to walk you through. It's going to be a lot of information, but um, hopefully there's some nuggets that you can gleam in terms of really the power of virtual summits. And you may hear me call um, them virtual events. Um, I have a program that's called uh, Launch Your Virtual Event. The reason that I differentiate virtual events from virtual summits is that, to me, a typical virtual summit is when you activate 25 plus speakers. It's a larger event, um, and it's a really powerful platform to generate leads. Um, but for me, I like to think really strategically and think very like a lot leaner of a program, which is what I call a virtual event. It's like a smaller summit, eight to 12 speakers. Um, but you can really curate and elevate the content because you're not dealing with a pool. For me, my first virtual summit was 41 influencers. So if you can imagine that was 41, uh, pre-interviews to make sure that they were a good fit for the event. 41, uh, interviews that were each an hour long, 41 sessions that needed to get edited, 41 speaker pages, so all of like, it was a big undertaking. I loved every minute of it. Um, but you can also have a very powerful impact with just a very focused eight to 12 speaker um, virtual event. And we're gonna talk more about both processes. So you're gonna kind of hear me say virtual summits and virtual events interchangeably because really the only core difference is 
not uh, the strategy is slightly different, but it's really the number of people as well. Okay. Um, so three things that we're going to hit on in this presentation, introduction to virtual events, um, your virtual event strategy, and then the four core audiences. And I like to end with the four core audiences because it gets you thinking about like who are the different types of people you engage. And there's really a different uh, strategy in terms of why and how you engage these four different audiences. Uh, but we're going to start with introduction to virtual events. Um, so what is a virtual event? Very simply said, it's a collection of virtual sessions that can be live or pre-recorded um, with experts or influencers that are delivered in a defined period of time. And it really centers around an overarching topic or theme with a clear call to action. Um, so screw the hustle. This is a very focused virtual summit um, with one core topic in mind. And you can see that all the speakers are going to be activated across a common uh, topic and it's going to be delivered on a specific time frame. Um, the strategy that you have on the right hand side, I like to say that like when you're thinking about a virtual event, like what are the me mechanics and makes up a, of a virtual event? You know, there's a lot of different strategies that you can put into play, but they really fit into four different buckets. Duration, which is the length of your event, how long you want it to be, the total number of influencers that you want to engage, how you want to engage with these individuals, um, and then the frequency that you actually release your virtual summit or virtual event. Um, so I wanted to share this slide. And um, Larissa, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I'm happy to share with you this deck. So anyone who watches this section, you guys, any of these slides you see, I'm happy to share them out with you. We'll make it really easy for you guys to get a hold of them. But this is probably one of the most powerful frameworks um, to introduce, just to show you that if you start thinking about putting together a virtual summit or virtual event, some of the key levers that you need to start to, to think about in terms of the mechanics and the makeup of the event. So with duration, it could be short, medium, or long. Short is one to three days, all the way down to long. I've seen some virtual summits that are like two or three weeks long. Uh, number of influencers, you know, there's different strategies as, why, um, as to why you may do a small, medium, or large size event. Um, I like to venture towards small, but I've also done a lot of large virtual summits as well. Um, but there's just different reasons why you'd want to use one or the other. Um, with engagement, this is like the interviewing format. Um, you're going to see that a lot of virtual events, some are, I've seen some people do virtual summits that are 100% live. And some people do them that's 100% pre-recorded. Um, and then there's others who like to do a little bit of a hybrid. Um, again, there's advantages and disadvantages about doing a virtual summit that's exclusively live interviews or exclusively pre-recorded. A benefit of live is that you have um, a lot of live engagement when you deliver it live. Let's just say it's delivered into your Facebook group. Um, it's a good way to engage the audience live. The risk with live is if you have a speaker or if you as the host um, are not comfortable doing lives or someone messes up or someone says something that isn't a good fit, you can't undo a live as easily. You can delete the live, but once it's delivered, it's kind of out there and people see it. Um, Pre-recorded, a huge benefit of pre-recorded is that you can get all the videos edited ahead of time. So if there's any mistakes or any issues, um, we may have had some and this at the beginning. <laughs> it just happens. Um, um, but we had fun with it. But like that's a benefit of pre-recorded is that you can cut those pieces out, get it edited. A disadvantage um, is that you don't get that live engagement, but there's ways to rectify it by utilizing tools such as onestream.live where you can simulate, simulate a pre-recorded um, interview as a live within Facebook. And then some people do hybrid. I tend to venture towards hybrid. I like to have pre-recorded and live um, because it provides like a nice mix. And then frequency on the far right-hand side is all about you know, how often are you going to host a virtual summit or virtual event? Is it going to be once, 
you know, I do the click printer summit generally like once a year. Um, is it a series? Is it going to be a smaller, like a virtual event, uh, eight to 12 speakers? And you may do a series of them every quarter. Um, or is it evergreen? You're designing it to be something that is truly out there in the public that when people opt in, they can start to access the content right away. So lots of different considerations that you can take, but this is like a good framework that you can have that if you're planning out your event, um, you can kind of map out what is it that, what are the mechanics, the levers that I want to pull? Um, and I'm going to be really quick on this one, but like I, my general rule of thumb is, um, if you may ask, if you're asking yourself, like, am I in a good position? Am I in a good niche that, um, would be good for a virtual summit or virtual event? General rule of thumb is if there is a Facebook group or a Facebook page on the topic, or if there's live events on that topic, yes, it's absolutely a good candidate for this. It's really hard to like not find a topic. Um, these are, if you're in the ClickFunnels community, um, Russell Brunson and Stephen Larson talk about like the three desires, health, wealth, and relationships. Um, and this is like what people sell in. So if it fits in any of these realms, it's a good candidate for a, uh, a virtual summit. So, um, that's a little bit about the mechanics. If we talked a little bit about like how this generally works, very typical format from a 10,000, and this is just like a 10,000 square foot view of this. It starts with defining your who and your why. Who is it that, like, why do you want to do a virtual summit? Who is it that you want to serve and why do you want to serve them? What are their pain points? So it's like getting really crystal clear on like your intentions as to why you're doing this and then who it is you want to serve and what their pain points are. Um, the next core thing really in that category is then taking that information and going from like a 10,000 foot view down to like a ground view and getting very crystal clear on your strategy. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go. After you get clear on your foundation and your strategy, then it's about activating the influencers to help you deliver upon the vision you had with that foundation and strategy. And then the final step is to assemble your funnel, assemble the marketing, activate your different core audiences to deliver the actual event itself. Um, and if we talked about the participant experience of what it generally looks like, this is the pretty atypical virtual summit approach. Um, you as the host, you're going to have some type of registration page for your virtual summit. Um, what the trade-off is, is a participant shows up at your page. They give you their email in exchange for giving you their email. You give them access to your virtual summit while it's live. So if your virtual summit is um, May 1st through 5th, excuse me, May 1st through 5th, um, when they give you their email, they're going to get access to your virtual summit May 1st through 5th. Um, what that will also do is the second they give you their email, it's going to trigger them into your sales funnel. So generally what you see is the next step of the sales funnel is someone selling you an all access pass. All access passes generally include uh, MP3 recordings, uh, speaker transcriptions or cheat sheets, um, and then usually I see other types of bonuses. Sometimes the speakers of the summit will give their own bonus as well. And that's included with the all access pass as well. You as the host may come up with your own bonuses to really sweeten the offer. Um, but usually it's a low um, ticket, low hanging fruit. I've seen them go from uh, $29 to like $147 for that all access pass. And that includes lifetime recordings as well. Um, and then if someone takes that, you may sell them a more expensive item. So you may have a core product that you have, like a, your own core course or your own core coaching program, that if someone buys the all access pass, then you can hit them and say, um, would you like to ascend further up my value ladder? Um, and you can also have down sales as well. Um, a lot of these are optional and uh, you know, a lot of these are just your own preference, but this is the general structure you see is that 
you know, someone goes from a free opt-in to buying an all access pass to maybe a higher ticket program to further send them up your value ladder. And then this will all trigger some type of email sequences. Um, for those who didn't buy the all access pass, you may trigger an email sequence that is buy the all access pass and, and nurturing them as to why they should buy it. If they bought the all access pass, but didn't buy the, um, the upsell that you have, what is in this middle box right here, you may have an email sequence to encourage them to purchase that and the benefits of that as well. Um, and the last piece of this is the, like, that's the registration piece. But when we talk about the live event, so, you know, if that's to get people to register and to kind of get them into your system, the actual delivery of the live event when the live session is happening. So in the example of before, if we said your event was May 1st through 5th and someone registered ahead of time, when the actual live event happens, the general layout of what a virtual summit looks like is you may have the speaker pool and you can see like there's 18 people listed on the left hand side, all those little faces. Um, and then you have the week ahead of you, but it may look something like this on Monday, you release a subset, maybe six of the speakers, you know, in this example of 18, while all the other speakers are locked in the vault. And if people want to access the speakers that are locked in the vault, you can route them back to buy the all access pass. And then when Tuesday happens, Monday sessions get locked again. If people want to get access to them, they can buy the all access pass, but a new set of speaker sessions becomes available. And then on Wednesday, the Monday and Tuesday sessions are locked and a third set becomes available um, uh, on Wednesday. So that's usually how it, it, is, uh, it lays out as sessions get unlocked and then locked as the week goes on. Um, a lot of times what you see is what people may do is to say, they may start to send emails of urgency on Wednesday to say, if you don't buy the all access pass, you know, the price will double or it'll go into a vault and you won't be able to access these for um, a couple of months. So you may see some scarcity happen on that Wednesday. Um, and what a lot of people tend to do is close cart for a few days and they do that to kind of build anticipation, let people marinate on the fact that they may not have bought the all access pass. Um, but then an email may go out on like Friday to say, okay, a lot of you reached out saying that you still want access to this content. So we're going to do an encore event that we unlock all the sessions. They're going to be open for, you know, 24 or 48 hours, but this is your last chance to lock in the all access pass at this special low rate. And then after this, it truly will double in price. Um, so this is what you generally see in terms of like the structure and the layout of a, uh, a virtual summit. Um, so I know that's a lot of information. It's probably a lot to digest. There's a lot of moving pieces, but this is like why, like seeing some of these maps, hopefully it makes it a little bit easier to digest and understand. Um, but, um, you know, once you understand kind of the flow and the structure, it really comes second nature and it's a really powerful platform. Um, some of the benefits as to why you should do one, you know, here's just a cluster of benefits, but I'll say for me personally, um, not only was it like coming out of corporate and having nothing, no email list, no influence, no one knew who I was. Um, and uh, to do a virtual summit, I walked out with thousands of leads as a result of doing it. So I went from no list to having a list. Um, in terms of building influence, I went from being a no name that no one knew to now associating myself with 41 other influencers. And it's a really powerful platform because, um, you know, I designed it to elevate them and elevate their influence, but they also pull me up with them since I'm the one who's kind of activating them and bring them all together on this event. Um, it's great for building relationships. There's a lot of people in my virtual summit that I did not have relationships with beforehand that now I consider really close friends, but it was all because of the nurturing 
of those relationships throughout an event like this. Um, these are content generation machines. Um, there's a lot of affiliate strategies that you can put into play because um, when you engage speakers, they become affiliates of your program, but you can also get their affiliate links to their program and you become an affiliate to them as well. Um, the general makeup of this event, it like, it is a product. So if you ever like question, I don't have a product, um, how do I develop my first product? If you do one of these, this whole, the output of this is a product that you can always sell. Um, my virtual summit for Clickpreneur summit is evergreen. Um, it's twice the price of what it was when it was live and people still buy it. Uh, but there's so many benefits of doing this model. Um, and then just on this slide, just to show you, like I went from like no one knowing who I was and no one knowing what Clickpreneur was to having other influencers now feature my brand on their website alongside some other really prominent names like Huffington Post, 30 Days is from ClickFunnels, their big event. This is one from uh, Spencer Meekham. He is ClickFunnels' number one affiliate. He's the first guy to get over a million dollars in affiliate commission using ClickFunnels. But like my logo is on his website um, and on several other speakers' websites because they were featured on my summit. So that brings uh, further recognition to my brand, a brand that did not exist a year ago. And then I've been invited to speak um, on countless numbers of virtual summits and starting to really get branded as an expert, but to go from literally last May, no one knowing who I was to now being um, alongside speaking with other big name influencers, you know, that's just the power of this platform and just the power of just representing your own brand loudly by doing a virtual summit. Um, and I have many, many more that are scheduled to come. Um, and then on the right hand side, and I like to show this example, I don't know if people can see my face in the video, um, but the publication entrepreneur elements, like this was one of my byproducts as a result of doing the summit. When we talk about like repurposing content potential, um, I created a product called entrepreneur elements. Um, this was like my first foray into entrepreneurship and it actually came out of a place of like trying to teach people the message that corporate and entrepreneurship are completely different games that if you leave corporate with an entrepreneur with your corporate mindset, and you try and take your corporate mindset to becoming an entrepreneur, you're going to fail unless you learn how to play the game of entrepreneurship and then layer on your corporate skill set. So like I created this whole um, uh, periodic table. I don't know if you can see it, but this is all, it's called entrepreneur elements because it's the 128 elements that every entrepreneur should know. And by doing the summit the way I did it, my summit was designed based off of my framework for entrepreneur elements. I used that framework for how I laid out the different days of my summit. And then I was able to, after the summit, take every single one of my speaker sessions, since every speaker was tied to a specific component of my entrepreneur elements framework, and um, give them their own spread in this publication. So like a benefit of doing a summit is it can further advance some of your existing uh, tools and resources. And I'm kind of just showing in uh, very closely, but like every speaker had their own spread within this book. So, I mean, think about like creating a product that you create yourself and then tying 41 influencers to your product. The product, um, it's a whole different level that you're bringing that product to because not, it's not just a product that is like represented by you. You now have tied all the influencers that you've interviewed um, just as a very powerful platform in terms of repurposing content. Well, you also have a built-in audience to help amplify, yes. right? Yes, and speakers who have their own audiences too. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the second like I published this publication and I mailed a copy to all my speakers. Like some of them opened it up in front of like like to open the camera and did like an unboxing video 
And then some of them were in tears, like literally wow. because they were so honored to be featured. And it was such an easy thing for me to do. But like, those are the things that are just like, uh, for them to go to their community and do that, that's invaluable. You know, it's authentic, it's sincere. And it was like such an easy thing to do um, following my summit. It's just, how do you repurpose your content? And that's what you've um, got right here too. Like yeah. a generating machine, literally. Yeah, and so this is just to show you like the power of this platform. Like if this is why I tell people like if you're planning a summit, just don't like start with speakers and start asking a lot of speakers to come. Be very intentional with your planning because the more intentional you are, the better you're gonna be able to think through like your, your content strategy. But this is just to show you that like if you do a virtual summit or virtual event, if you extract the audio, it's a podcast. If you um, compile the content a certain way, um, that could be the, the makings of a recurring revenue membership site. If you transcribe it, it could become speaker's guides, blogs, books, social media uh, quotes, just so much you can do with it. If you assemble the content, like if you're very intentional with your framework and you source uh, speakers to serve that framework, you may like design the, um, the layout of like an e-learning course with like different chapters and having a different expert represent them. If you convert that, then you can instantly come out with like a course off of what you've learned through the interviews you've conducted. And then if you just pull out one video, um, that's a lead magnet. You know, if you ever struggle with making lead magnets, that's the easiest way to make a lead magnet where you can give some of your best sessions away um, just for opt-ins. So there's a lot there. There's a lot going on when it's introduction to virtual events. Um, if we went to part two of your virtual event strategy, this is a very brief session, but my general recommendation is, and you've heard me say this before, don't start with speakers. When you're thinking about designing your virtual event, start with your call to action. The reason I say start with your call to action is you want to know what the end destination is that after people consume your summit, where do you want to send them? So for me, the reason I like to start with a call to action and examples of call to actions can be join my coaching program, buy a ticket to my live event, um, purchase my e-learning course. It may be a high ticket e-learning course. Um, join my inner circle. You know, there's so many different things, but like knowing where you want to send people, What's powerful about that is then I say, after you know what the call to action is you want to, them to take, then design the framework that you want to send them through. So this is the overall structure. This is the journey that you want to take people through, through the multi-day event. Um, for me with Clickpreneur day one, what, because it was all entrepreneur elements and the four core phases of entrepreneur elements are foundation, strategy, tactics, and implementation. That's how I structured it. Day one was foundation. So when I was going through it, I could say day one is all about building your business foundation. If you don't have this, then you're, um, if you don't have a foundation for your business, then you're just going to be pumping money into a system blindfolded. So it's like delivering a core structure and that's the journey. But part of the call to action was I wanted to, to bring arms and legs to entrepreneur elements, but I also wanted to show people the power of the virtual summit platform and leverage that to be a tool to get people to buy my higher ticket coaching programs. So this is why the framework is really important. And if you know the framework, hopefully it leads them to a journey to naturally take your call to action because you've been grooming them to take that call to action. And then after you have that framework, then source the speakers. So this is where I'd say like people are so set on like, can I get the biggest name speakers with the largest list? And here's the reality, like the bigger the speaker, chances are it's less likely that they're gonna promote for you. So you can't assume I got a big speaker Therefore, they're for sure going to promote. It's not a guarantee that they're going to promote. I find that the people with the larger audiences tend to be really um, 
uh, protective of their email lists. And here's the reality. If they don't fit the story that you're trying to tell and you couldn't figure out where to place them in your framework, then I wouldn't include them just because they're a big name. You want to create the framework that's best, that's going to best serve your audience. And that's why it's important to know your, your avatar. Um, and to have people that kind of don't fit that story arc, it just, it feels like a, it's just, it, it, it sticks out. So that's it's why like, round peg in a square hole. It's exactly what it is. So this is why, like, if you, like for me for day one on foundation, I wanted to find speakers that could speak about mindset because that's foundation speakers who can talk about how to like design your, your customer avatar, how to think about like the value of understanding pain points um, um, or understanding who the other key players are. So like, what are those kind of foundational components and who are the speakers you can speak on that? That's going to serve my audience the best to get them closer to that call to action. So that's kind of why like the framework is always second to the call to action, but before the speakers. Does that make well, sense? It's like this call to action is the compass, right? It's pointing this is the direction that you need to go because otherwise it's like taking a bunch of, of speakers in, in the spaghetti and throwing it against a wall and hoping something sticks, right? Yeah, that's it. And that's for me, like why this, you, you said it uh, perfectly. That's why like when I, there's so many summits that I go to that I'm just like, I like the worst thing you can do is just bring together a collection of speakers and then dump them on your participant. Because if you give them, and especially if you give them such an abundance of speakers, you know, I had 41 speakers on my summit. I think that is content overwhelm. Like no one's going to easily get through all that content to take the call to action. That's why you're like shifting towards events that are like eight to 12 speakers. Cause I'd rather have a really curated, well-defined event that is easy to get through and get you to take the call to action. And a lot of market digital marketing influencers will say, you know, if I can't consume everything you've, you know, you've given me with this level of investment that I've made in your program, why should I spend more money? Um, and you're seeing a huge trend about money can come and go, but time has an expiration date. And if time has an expiration date, then we value time a lot more than money. And if we value time more than money, then how can you structure your event in a way that provides the most value with the least amount of commitment so they can get what they want and then continue to ascend up? Yeah. So that's a huge, there used to be a trend in digital marketing that buying an e-learning and it having like 60 modules was viewed as value. And now I think we look at that and say like, oh, I will get to that 60 module, you know, e-learning one day and we never do it. We, I, I bought so many courses that I've never finished. And I think that's like, there's so many of us as entrepreneurs who have, like, how many of us have courses sitting in our computer that we are like literally gathering virtual dust because we just don't have the time, right? I like, I like that, virtual dust. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, but the two things here again is be intentional with your structure, be intentional, because that'll like make you more money and save you more time and keep you more focused. And again, don't start with the speakers. Like it's so easy to say I'm doing a summit, I'm gonna start with the speakers. Don't start with the speakers because you wanna get everything else right so you can source the right speakers. And I promise you that when you do that, like get your foundation and your strategy right up front, when you have the conversation with speakers, um, I just heard an influencer who spoke on virtual summits say I, that like she recommended engaging 100 people to get 30 speakers. And that like overwhelmed me to hear I'd have to engage a hundred people to get 30 speakers. That's nuts. I engaged 43 people to get 41 speakers. But a lot of that was when I got to the point of engaging those speakers, I was so confident on what I was doing because I had such clarity 
that it was just an easy conversation and people saw that it was a lot more well put together than just something that was, um, you know, like unclear of what the core objective was. Yeah. No, and that's how, and I, that was my experience too, because, you know, the concept of screw the hustle and pe I had people who were like, well, you know what? I don't, I don't normally do these types of events, but this is something that I feel strongly about. Yeah. Like we need to pare down and, and stop being so darn busy and just yeah. get more like a uh, strategic, which exactly what you've just, that's what you just talked about is, is start with the being strategic with your structure and, and just drill down. Like, don't, don't get like put the blinders on. So you're not getting uh, yeah. kind of like ADD going on. Man, it is. I mean, I think we all are guilty of shiny object syndrome in this game and it is loud. So that's why like having a focus is such a key to saving time and money. And that's why for me, like when I, when I define a strategy, I, I define out what objectives I'm trying to achieve. And then I could source every decision to say, will this speaker or will this action address one of the objectives? If the answer is no, it's gone. Yeah. That's simple. Um, and then uh, this last section, we can uh, try and blow through this pretty quickly. Um, for core audiences, you know, why this is important is as you plan a virtual summit or virtual event, it's important to recognize that you talk to different people different ways. Uh, the first audience is your speakers. These are the influencers that you engage. It's so important to build a good relationship with them because, um, I mean, it's just such a, like, this is such a big reason why you'd want to do this because the more you build a relationship with them, um, the more you can have that authenticity in the relationship, the more it's going to raise you up as well as benefit the speaker as well. Um, the next audience, and this is really optional for you, but I encourage it is sponsors. And we'll talk a little bit more about sponsors. We'll talk a little bit more about each of these. Um, but these are the people that um, may help subsidize part of your virtual summit or virtual event in exchange for name recognition. Um, there's different strategies you can put into play to engage sponsors. The third one is affiliates. Um, all speakers should be affiliates but not all affiliates are speakers. And I don't want to confuse people, but um, there's a lot of affiliates that will sign on to promote your uh, virtual summit or virtual event. Um, they're highly motivated by the fact that if you have a high converting offer, they can make money off of you. Um, so, but, and they're a very powerful platform to help getting loud and spreading the message because a lot of times affiliates have huge followings and when they announce things, um, they're able to convert people really well. And the last one is your participants. Um, these are the people who give you their email, who actually attend the sessions live. A lot of you listening to this live will be participants as well. Um, and in, in the general sense, looking at all four of these, and we will click into each one of these. Um, most things we do as entrepreneurs, it's all about your participants or it's all about your, your avatar. Um, when it comes to summits, the, the audience that I think is the most important personally are your speakers. And the reason I say the speakers is because you'll spend more time um, nurturing your speakers through engaging with them, activating them, um, keeping them up to date with updates of what's going on with your virtual summit. Um, and oftentimes like you want to spoil them and take care of them because they hold the keys because they usually have their own audiences that are your dream avatar. So they can choose to promote for you or not. And that's why I always say like you spend twice the amount of time with speakers than you do any other audience and they have the keys to accelerate um, attracting the right avatar into your community from their own community. So that's why I think speakers are just so critical since they hold those keys. Um, uh, so now if we clicked into each one of them, some things that I say about speakers, and we're just going to talk about things high level and then we can wrap this up. Spoil your speakers, 
one of the things that I like to do is um, for my speakers for the Clickpreneur Summit, I turn them all into cartoons. Um, and that was a really powerful thing. So the top row is what you can see there. Zeki, um, who did the Affiliate Ninja Summit, turned all his speakers into ninjas. Um, I created a lot of custom assets for speakers. The reason for that is uh, one, speakers love seeing things with their face on it next to other influencers. And two, if you create digital marketing assets, whether it's for Facebook or Instagram, um, and it's easy for them to share, they're gonna be a lot more likely to share than if they have to create it themselves. So I really tried to provide a lot of like fun things for the speakers. Um, and uh, like another thing I did was, like I mentioned this earlier, in Entrepreneur Elements, I told them, you know, they're all gonna get featured in this book and I sent them a copy of the book when it was done. Um, but here are like some of the benefits when it came to Clickprinter Summit when I did this. Um, one person changed his profile picture to the animated picture. And as a result of that, all the other speakers started to change it. And every time they changed their pictures, I mean, you can kind of see with uh, Nick Fitzgerald in the middle, they would write a story that talked about my virtual summit. So talk about authentic, organic engagement with people's audiences. It didn't cost me a dime. All it cost me was the cost of just getting the artist rendering done. Um, and then because of some of the assets I made, people started sharing the assets out. People started changing their profile uh, uh, banners and covers. Um, people were doing things organically because they were just so connected to the event. Um, and on top of that, like one of the other things is I put everyone into a Facebook group and I constantly went live in the Facebook group. And by doing that, people in the group started to get to know each other. And before my summit, they all started interviewing each other. So I think there was like 25 interviews that took place of one speaker interviewing another speaker um, to organically promote. And I didn't ask them to do that. So all these on the right hand side, you can see Lindsay Monica and um, Marie and Olga and Leslie and Nick. Uh, there's Nick the Friendly Giant. Um, they just started interviewing each other to talk about the summit. And that drew so much organic attention to my event um, that was just about spoiling your speakers. This is great material and really great tips. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, sponsors. Um, this is a quick one with sponsors. Really, there's two core strategies. You can get sponsors that will pay you. So you may come up with a tiered system to say, depending on how much you want to invest in the summit, they're priced at different levels. If you buy into the sponsorship, you know, we will feature your logo on the main page or do these little things. You can add benefits to it. So it's a great way to subsidize um, um, a lot of the costs for the summit. The other angle is uh, to promote. So um, the trouble with getting sponsors to pay is if you're brand new to entrepreneurship and you have a small list, it may not be as attractive for sponsors to want to give you money. So the alternative is you can ask them, um, I'll feature you as a sponsor. My only ask is that you promote us to your community. And I found that a lot of like when I was just starting out, lots of people were completely on board with um, if you give me sponsorship, I'll happily send you out emails. And a lot of times these sponsors had 20, 30, 50,000 people on their list, which is invaluable. Um, and it was really no skin off my back because it was just about featuring their logo. Mm -hmm. um, I did it all the way down to, I mean, you can see the interior covers. So like I even featured their logos in my publication and in a lot of my assets. But you know, what was powerful about that is um, when they did promote it and they did talk about it, it converted a lot of people into my environment as well, which is really powerful. So that's, those are the two core strategies. Um, if you're brand new, doesn't mean you can't get a paid sponsor um, because I have people who have done one summit, don't have a huge following or didn't have a huge following and still got paid sponsors. Well, uh, 
So it's still, it's possible. It's just, I think it's a harder strategy. The second you do a couple of these and you build momentum and you have a couple, uh, like tens of thousands of people on your list, that's when the tide starts to shift to say, like the sponsor now sees like immense value that if I buy into this, I'll get exposure to 10, 20, 50,000 people that are controlled by the, the summit host. So that's kind of where like you'll see the tide shift a little bit. Um, affiliates, the big things here, and I'll, I'll just hit on this. We won't go through this, uh, uh, all of this content, but when it becomes a, an affiliate, there's three different types of affiliates. Um, one is your speakers should all be affiliates. So affiliates are people who will promote um, in exchange for a commission on all the sales that are made. Um, your speakers should be made affiliates. Uh, traditional affiliate commission tends to be, I mean, it's really the comfort of the speakers. I've seen as low as 30 and as high as 50 um, percent of the sales of all access pass. Um, but the three different categories are your speakers should be affiliates. Um, and then there's affiliates that, uh, you find that is, you may see people who are like own Facebook groups and have Facebook communities, um, that are like your perfect ideal avatars who comprises that community. So you may, uh, reach out to that influencer and say, um, I'd love for you to be an affiliate for my program. Let's talk about it. And you may strike up a partnership of some sort. Um, the other categories that the ones that is affiliates that find you, um, the affiliates that find you are people who like may hit your registration page. You want to make it really easy for them to sign up to be an affiliate. Um, I had lots of people that I've never met sign up to be an affiliate for the Clickpreneur summit. Um, the value of that to me is that they're promoting my event and I don't even know who they are, but I made it easy for them to sign up to promote my event. And I'm happy to have them as an affiliate if they're representing the brand, right. Um, and helping pull more people into my community that are the right avatar. Um, and these are all affiliate structures that um, are paid to you. Um, I won't get into this one as much because this gets confusing, but there's strategies you can put into place that um, in addition for you to uh, give your affiliate link to speakers, you can get the speakers affiliate link for their own products and services and showcase those as well. So there's different strategies you can put into place. One I did was like a virtual exhibition hall where I told speakers, you can't sell, please don't sell on the interviews. Um, just be an attractive character. However, if you wanted to uh, feature a product in the marketplace, um, I'm happy to give you your own virtual booth and they would give me their affiliate link for their product. So that's kind of where you can get, um, you can benefit from being an affiliate for their programs because you've created the platform. And last but not least, um, participants, you just want to create a, a seamless participant experience. Um, we're doing this on uh, Hey Summit. So everything is like living in Hey Summit heavily. Um, uh, that's what, like, I like the idea of having a lobby page where like, this is your ground zero. This is like where everything is. Um, and if things need to take you off that platform to go to Facebook for a live or somewhere else, it's just a seamless experience because you know where, um, your landing page is. So like what I always do is you can see in the middle here, this is like my lobby page every day. The lobby gets updated. Um, I liked the concept of a lobby cause it was just a centralized platform. And for live sessions, you know, for speaker sessions, all my speakers had speaker pages. So if they clicked on the speaker page uh, for that speaker, that'd be taken to that page where they can watch their video. Um, and if it was a live session, I did all my live sessions in the Facebook group because I could get that engagement. So if they clicked a button, they'd be routed straight to the Facebook group. So just making sure you have a very clean um, and easy to navigate uh, experience is really important so people can find the information that they're looking for. So I think that's it. I think we yeah. went through everything. Um, I yeah. hope that this was helpful. I know it's a, it's a lot of stuff. 
but well, like I would say this, summits are, you know, that there is a lot of work that uh, takes to go into them. Like the virtual summit model is amazing. Again, the thing that I did not like about it was um, if you do 25, 30, 40 influencers, you're, that's 25X, 30X, 40X, the amount of work you're doing. Cause you'll like, like that's for me, it's collecting speaker agreements. It's collecting bios and pictures. So it's a lot of project management. Um, that's what I do love about the hello, uh, Hey summit platform is that <laughs> speakers can just upload their pictures. It's a little bit more seamless in that sense. Um, but it's also like, you're just creating a lot of custom assets that are like, if you're doing MP3s or inscriptions, it just becomes 30 or 40 X. And again, I can't stress enough this, like we're in this day and age of content overwhelm mm -hmm. and that we value our time. So that's why I'm such a, like the benefit of having eight to 12 speakers and doing more of like a virtual event model. Um, and that's what my core business teaches people is that like, you can use it for the bigger, but like, how can you be more strategic and more intentional with how you structure this? So you can truly provide the best value to your customers and also reap the most benefits um, because you've thought through that structure a lot more. So that's my big thing that I'll say is that um, be intentional if you're going to do this. But if you are in a corporate job and are stuck, I cannot tell you that it is the easiest recommendation to say um, there's very few things in becoming an entrepreneur where you walk out of something and you generate leads, build influence, have a product um, can get loud really quickly, um, than doing one of these. So that's for me why it's such a no brainer that this is like a really powerful route to go. Well, and, and I feel like this is a, we're just starting to scratch the surface because, you know, summits are, are, I'm seeing more and more of them now. Uh, but the other thing, why I wanted to put on a summit is because I feel like with, with webinars, you know, everything's become the perfect webinar and it's a lot of, you you're not teaching like you're like people walk away and yes, they've had their, their, their belief structure has been changed, but they're not walking away with like, okay, I can do this or here, here's a, an actionable item I can put into, into practice in my own business and start seeing some changes and return. And that's why I feel like with, with these summits is you, you have, it's like a meeting of minds and with all this great information and it's, you know, like how, how often do you have a chance to have that opportunity to learn from the best in their particular field? Yeah, totally. And that, that honestly, like, like, don't you love it though? Like Larissa, you have like the front row seat to ask whatever you want to these influencers. So the funniest thing is if you like watch me at any summit that I do, any, you will <laughs> oftentimes, like if I'm the interview, I'm like literally taking sheets of notes, like pages of notes. So like, you will see me like sitting here, like writing as the interview goes on. And it's just because, and there's been times that like an influencer talked about something and I literally finished the interview and implemented it right away. Cause I was like, Oh, that's good. That's good. That's the fun part about it is just the amount of learnings that I like my programs have evolved simply because of the interviews that I've done. And it forced me to get out of my head. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing is like you getting outside of your head, you've nailed it because we think we know what we know, yeah, but we don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, I, uh, see, I don't take notes because otherwise I would get lost. <laughs> I'd be taking, I'd be focusing on like, what did they say again? So I'm actually uh, taking all of this and I'm going to be, it's going to be uh, uh, transcribed into an ebook, like virtually like it's the same type of idea that you did because yeah, there's so much great information. I mean, not only what you've done today, Mark, but you know, that presentation was just like, wow, like it was a lot of information, but golden. 
So thank you I'm for sharing helpful. that. And yeah, yeah and you're, you nailed it right on the head there. This is a great opportunity for anybody who's literally at ground zero to just take it up to like, you know, the take it up to 11. Yeah, totally, totally. Like I will say, if you're stuck or if you're brand new, um, you know, that's why I love hearing people say like, oh, I'm so new to this. I'm like, do a summit, do an event. <laughs> Now, just to wrap this up, Mark, at the beginning, you were when we were chit-chatting, you were mentioning about Rover. Did you want to get into that at all? <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm getting over a little um, little bug down here in Austin. Um, yeah, I'm happy to. So um, uh, right now, you're about to see me roll out a series of programs. Um, if you're interested in learning more about um, virtual events and how you can host your own virtual event, um, I've had a coaching program called Live Online. Live is L-Y-V-E, Launch Your Virtual Event. Um, I think you, you probably saw the logo on some of the slides. Um, but I've had a coaching program that I've taken people and I do the live training every week where we literally go through a structured system to help um, navigate you through creating your first uh, virtual event. And the power of that model is it's a rinse and repeat. So once you have put everything in place, you can rinse it, do new topics and repeat it again. And it's just a very powerful platform. So uh, it's uh, live online is um, kind of the done with you since I'm doing it's live coaching and you have me um, Rover is if you're like, I don't want coaching. I just want the assets. Rover is an acronym that stands for ready online virtual event resources. Um, and if you see the mascot of it, it may resemble my dog. Um, it's extremely but cute by the way. Virtual event companion. So it, that's what it's designed to be. It's literally structured. Um, like my coaching program um, that you literally have, it's structured into 10 levels. And the, the, the whole idea is you don't go to level two until you complete level one. You don't go to level four until you complete level three. So you're kind of like stuck at your level um, and not advancing until you achieve what the prerequisites are to get to the next level. So I'm really forcing people's hands to be very intentional to say, don't skip the gamut and go to the back or level, you know, a different level if you're not ready for it yet. So this is just making sure you are as best ready to advance. So um, that is that is going to be rolled out. Um, I think it's going to roll out officially in April um, of this year. Okay, so like next month. People wanted to buy it. It includes your funnels. It includes your um, uh, like speaker agreements. It includes everything that you need to put on a virtual event. A lot of swipe copy. A lot of copy that you can take and share with like your own design team if you have one or outsource it to say, just replicate this. So when I tell you that it's like so much of what you need, if you like the look and feel of these slides, you get a lot more of that kind of content in there and a lot of worksheets. So that's what Rover is. So Rover is uh, do it yourself. Live online is um, uh, done with you. And then I have another one that's called series. It's kind of my inner circle. Um, so my agency also has a done for you that I have some clients that are, um, it's a little bit more high ticket, but I have clients that are literally, like, I just want to do the interviews and be the attractive character mark, and I don't want to deal with any of the technology. So we offer that as well. Um, and I'm having a ton of fun with that, too, because I like to bring in the creativity of it. And I'm really, I can't tell you about it, but I'm really excited about some of the projects that are going to be releasing um, in May and June of this year. Two awesome, awesome um, virtual events that are about to happen. So. Well, I'm, I know that you put on a quality events so i am going to keep my eye open and i'm i'm excited to see what you have rolling out in may and june and if people want to stay on top of it they can just uh 
put your emails down below and uh, well actually you have their emails already because they've signed up for this session so um, I'm sure that Mark is going to be keeping you up to date with what's happening in uh, in his world over yeah. there with virtual events and you're welcome to reach out to me ping me on Facebook I'm super responsive so I love meeting new people um, if you guys have any questions I'm happy to and Larissa you've been amazing <laughs> No, thank you, Mark. You know what? Mark was the very first speaker who said yes. So, Hello. yes, yes, you you totally made my day when I got this crazy idea to put on a, a virtual summit for about you know how to screw the hustle. So, thank you. Like you've got that special, that little special place up on the mantle. Oh. Very first speaker. So I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mark. I know you've got a lot going on in your life right now, and I, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out today. It really means the yeah. world, and I'm so excited. And uh, yes, please, we'd want to, when Rover is up and ready to go, because this is perfect for screwing the hustle. Yeah, um, great and, program. Yeah. And thank you so much for walking us through how to do uh, your own personal virtual uh, summit. I look forward to seeing more summits from you and uh, and hopefully from from you the the viewers we look forward to seeing you yeah. together your own absolutely absolutely well thank you okay. thrilled to be a part of this thanks everybody so thanks mark